Hey, hey everybody, good morning to you. So glad that you could join us again for our online service here at Impact Life Church. We are so thrilled and glad that you came to tune in for what God is gonna be speaking with you today and we're, we're excited about it. I know, trust that you are, trust that you're all ready to go. You got your Bibles with you, maybe you got your cup of coffee sitting right where you're at and I wanna encourage you, let's, let's listen into what God wants to share with us this morning. Uh, you know, I, I'm stirred up in my heart and I'm excited about what God wants to speak. And aren't you thankful that our God is not quiet? I'm thankful that we have a God who is speaking to us today and he's got a word in season. And you know, it's always important for us as believers, as Christians, that we don't always look for a new word. And thank God, of course, God is speaking by his spirit and that's powerful and that's good. But a lot of times what we need in this season right now, especially that we're living in, is we need the now word. What is God speaking to us about? And again, for us here at Impact Life Church, God has been talking to us about faith. And of course, wherever you're watching, you're part of our family. You're our online family and we're thrilled that you joined us. And over the course and the period of this time that we've been discussing and talking together, the Lord has been stirring in us again to talk about not just the subject of faith, but understanding how to live by faith, especially in the days that we live in. You know, living by faith is one of the greatest privileges that we as Christians have. You and I have the ability, since God take, took us out of the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, we switch kingdoms when we accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I know you know that, you've heard that many times, but if you also consider that our way of living has also changed, the lifestyle has changed, and God now has elevated you and I to now be able to live by faith, which is living the way that God lives. And so we're so excited this morning to be diving into that. So let's let's use our faith this morning when we approach the Word of God. Anytime that we go to the Word, let's go with expectation. Lord, I thank you that you're going to open up the Word to us today. You're going to reveal truths, Father. Maybe I've heard, but you're going to reveal it in a deeper way so that I'm not just knowing about it, but I'm living it out in my life. So let's pray before we dive into it this morning and we'll get started. Father, we love you. Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are, what you've done for us on the cross at Calvary, and that you rose again from the dead so that now we are in your kingdom, in the kingdom of God's dear son. And so, Father, we come this morning with great expectation to hear from your word, not just to hear it, but in our hearts, we choose also to be doers of this word. And Father, we thank you so much by the power of your spirit that's working in us, that you continue to reveal truths, you continue to reveal yourself to us in a greater way. And and Lord, we believe this with all of our hearts that we will not be, we will be changed uh, for good by your word today. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get your Bibles and let's get into this together. But first, we want to start in 1 John chapter 5. This is where we left off last week. And I want to just start there again today so that we're all kind of on the same playing field before we launch off into this. But in 1 John chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 and verse 4, and I'm reading to you from the Amplified, and it says this, Everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, is born of God. And it says, that is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves, or is also loves the children of God. Now, right off the bat off here, I just I get so excited just to see it. But everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is the Messiah is a child of God. Now, how many of you have done that? Maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior no matter when you did that. But the moment you did that is the moment you became 
a child of God. And I like the way that the Passion Bible brings it out. It says that God has now fathered you. You now have a father in heaven you can call your own. He's yours. Now look at this. That's exciting. That's good news. That's a great place to be. But then he goes a little bit further on and he says this in verse 4. And he says, now everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Now, I want to kind of break this up here again a little bit. Again, verse 4, but it says, Everyone who is a child of God or born of God, notice what the Bible calls you. Notice what God himself calls you. Notice how he sees you. He calls you victorious, and he calls you an overcomer to anything in this world. That's not just Christian cliches that we hear around about. I'm a world overcomer. Yeah, but the reality is, is God sees you as a world overcomer. He sees you victorious over this world. That's good news. So right now where you're sitting, no matter if where you're listening at, at this, this point in time, the Bible calls you an overcomer. That's your identity. That's who you are. You are an overcomer. You are victorious. That's how our Father sees us. That's how our God calls us. I mean, if you think about it, God has always had victory on his mind when he created you and I. He never created you and I to be defeated. He never created I, you and I to lose on a regular basis. That's that's not our God. And say, so what has he done? He has now called you and I victorious. Now, if that's my identity... How come I'm not overcoming? How come I'm not seeing victory in every area of my life? I'm not experiencing and you kind of list off or you fill in the blank. I'm not seeing victory in this area or I'm not seeing it in that area or I'm not seeing it in this area. That may be, but that doesn't change the fact that you are a world overcomer or a victorious person because you're in Christ Jesus. So what it does tell us though is that we have to now become skillful in how we learn to live by faith. Because again, looking at 1 John 5 verse 4, it says that this is who we are. We're victorious over this world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Or in other words, this is the tool that we use to overcome the world. And he says, our faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So now, what is our victory over the world? Faith in Jesus. What will cause me to win, to be victorious in this life, no matter what obstacle or whatever tough time comes my way? What causes me to not just go through it and hopefully I can pan out and be victorious at the end and get my butt kicked in the meantime? No, what will cause me to thrive and go above all the situations that I'm seeing in, in, in this life? It's my faith in Jesus. Say that with me. This is the answer. Faith in Jesus. So if I ask you any more questions this morning along the lines of what we're discussing, the answer is faith in Jesus. All right, that's, there it is. That's, that's the answer for you for all we go into it. He doesn't say that my, it's faith in myself. He doesn't say this is the victory that overcomes the world is my grit or me just pushing hard or me working up enough strength or just argh, mental strength or any kind of physical strength. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it's, or it's faith in having lots of money that if I got a pile of money, all my problems will just cease and go away. No, he doesn't say that. Nor does he say if, hey, this is the victory that overcomes the world, my education. 
That, hey, I can just be so smart that I don't have any more problems or I can become victorious in the, over the problems or situations that come my way. He doesn't say that either about your education. He doesn't even say this is the victory that overcomes the world. People or the government or my boss or my employees. You fill in the blank on that, but it's, again, that is not how we win or overcome in this world is not by any natural means. I believe, you know, the Lord said this in Zechariah chapter 4. He said, telling Zerubbabel, he said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So it has nothing to do with anything external. It's not about you and I just being strong in ourselves. The Bible doesn't say this is the victory that overcomes the world. You just being strong or you just being tough and hanging in there. No, he says that this is how we overcome the world. Our faith, again, this is the answer, faith in Jesus. Again, say it with me. Faith in Jesus. You know, Jesus gave us four words uh, in the book of Mark. I want you to turn there. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. But Jesus gave us four words that have the potential to change your life. And here are the four things. Here's the four words. Have faith in God. Let's do that together. Have faith in God. Say it again. Have faith in God. These four words can solve any problem that any person would ever face. These four words will take a defeated individual, someone who loses and is losing maybe a battle right now, and will absolutely cause them, when applied to their life, faith in God, will change them now to become victorious in any situation that they may ever face. These four words, have faith in God, carry with it the potential for you and I to thrive this year in 2021, regardless of what happens in the external realm. Lastly, these four words, uh, this is how we're going to make an impact in our city. This is how you're going to make an impact in your job. This is how you're going to be an influence for God in the community that you're part of, maybe the relationships that you have around you. Have faith in God. This is what's happening in my life right now. But hey, have faith in God. These are the problems that are coming my way. This is what the bank says to me about my bills. This is what you know the doctor said about a situation that may be going on in my body. This is what the political realm looks like. This is what's happening in the educational realm. These are the things that are taking place in my family, with my relationships, with my spouse, with my kids. The answer to all those problems is found in have faith in God. Come on, say that with me. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And when Jesus says these words, have faith in God, what is he actually implying? What's he saying to you and I? He's saying that be confident in God's character. Be confident. Trust his nature. Trust his character that he'll do what he says. You know, this is what our faith, this is what our faith or our trust or our confidence rests on. This is the foundation for everything that we do in regards to faith. It coldly goes back to the character or the nature of God. This is what our faith rests on. It rests on who he is. Now, again, because what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about why faith. And we really touched base on that. And we, we explored just and dissected that, that phrase and that thought. But why do we even have to live by faith? Why, as a Christian, do I have to live by faith? And again, if you want to hear those, go back into our podcast and you can hear all those messages if you like. And I encourage you to do so. They're free. Might as well get it in there. But now then, okay, so now here's the question that we're asking now as we, as we dive into this. 
what is this faith? Okay, so now, okay, so how, why faith? You know, because, you know, this is how God operates. Why faith? You know, simply because, hey, this is what pleases him. I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. All those answers. But before we move on talking about what faith is, we have to understand that our faith isn't just faith that's kind of out there or a theological position towards a situation. Our faith is directed to someone. Our faith is in Jesus. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Now, just like any kind of, even for example, a natural relationship, remember Jesus said these words, have faith in God, well, trust his character, trust his nature. Well, just like kind of, again, from a natural standpoint, like any relationship that you and I ever have, how is trust developed? How do you develop a relationship with somebody? You do it by taking time to be with them. And what you're doing with maybe a new friend or somebody that you're wanting to get to know, what do you start doing? You start to see what these people are like. You start to see what they're like behind closed doors. You start to see, hey, like, are they, do they actually, when they say something, do they follow through? All of these things now build relationships and you just do that simply through time and you discuss and you share your heart and you open up and you start open, you know, sharing thoughts and, you know, maybe secrets with one another. That's how relationship goes. Well, you know what, for us, this needs to be the focus for us as believers, as anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, that we know God, not just know about him, but that we actually know him and not just dependent on other people's experiences, not dependent on what somebody else says about them, but I can know God intimately for myself. This is the will of God from before the foundation of the world that you and I would have our own unique relationship with the Lord. This, this is his will, that's his heart. And I, maybe you've heard that many times, but I don't want you to take that for granted or just kind of think flippantly through that, oh yeah, I've heard that lots before, relationship, relationship. Yeah, but stop and think about it. God wants to do life with you. He wants to be involved in the decisions and the things that come up in your life. God doesn't all of a sudden when a hard thing comes your way, he doesn't flee or run away from the situation. No, he wants to face it head on with you, but it's only done through relationship. You know, I'm convinced of this, that our faith cannot grow or develop apart from an intimate relationship with him. It is impossible to grow my faith and to be strong in faith apart from being strong in a relationship with him. No, to the degree that I'm walking with the Lord is really the degree that I'm walking in faith according to his word because it's all relationship-based. Faith is relationship. That's what it is. So you can't separate the two and say, I'm strong in faith yet never spend any time with them for your own self. It's impossible to have that. You can't stir up faith on your own. You don't initiate it. You don't perfect it. In fact, that's what Hebrews 12 tells us is that Jesus is the one who initiates it and he's the one that perfects it. He is the champion of our faith. I can't muster up faith on the inside. I can't try to stir this thing up on the inside and go, I have faith, I got faith, I got faith, and try to step out and do something. It doesn't work that way. Faith is a result of a personal, intimate relationship with someone. And in this case, what we're talking about is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, I want to give you a couple examples because this you see this all throughout the, the New Testament. This was the whole emphasis of what Paul's ministry was about. It's about intimate relationship. And I want you to go to um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 here for a moment. And as I said, all throughout the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, he, all, he quite often emphasized a hunger and an importance to know God. And it was his closeness with Jesus that really enabled him to go through what he went through. 
And we can, I mean, if you spend any time reading the New Testament, you see that the Apostle Paul went through tremendous amount of heartache, lots of problems, lots of things coming his way. But not one time do you ever see, and it was just so difficult for us, and we barely, I don't know if we could ever do this again. Like, Paul never talked that way. He would say things like, hey, we're knocked down, but we're not destroyed. He said, we may be perplexed, but hey, we're not driven to despair. He had a relationship with the Lord, and because of his relationship, it kept him strong and it enabled him, it empowered him to not only go through the situations and problems that he faced, but it caused him really to rise above them and really be on top of the problems that came his way. This is the plan of God for your and my life. This is it. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, again, this is now Paul and he's writing to his spiritual son named Timothy and he's encouraging him. He's giving some, some powerful truths again. And then he's also explaining what God our Father did and how he's illuminated the way of life for all mankind. And then he says, of this, I became a preacher and a minister of the gospel. And then he says, verse 12, that is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. He says this, for I know the one in whom I trust. Can we say that together? I know the one in whom I trust. You know, the Amplified Bible brings it about this way in that, in that particular phrase. Paul says this, for I know him and I am personally acquainted with him whom I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in him and in the truth of his deity. Now, I just want, again, I want to pull this phrase out, what Paul said, again, in the Amplified. He says, I am personally acquainted with the one I believe. Have you thought about that? If you just stop and really emphasize this, this phrasing that he pulled out here, he says, I am personally acquainted. What does it mean to be personally acquainted with someone? It means you know them. It means, yeah, I've had personal encounters. I've had personal conversations. I've had personal, you know, intimate time with this individual. If you're talking just me or you or so, I've had that. I'm, I'm personally acquainted with this individual, right? And so what he's saying is I'm personally acquainted with the one I believe. Now, this ought to be the testimony and the focus of every child of God. Because sometimes what we do is we kind of, uh, you know, differentiate these two things. I, you know... Either I know Jesus and we kind of put over, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And a lot of times people say, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But they actually haven't taken the time to be with him, to know his character, to know his nature. And again, that's what our faith and that's what it all rests on is understanding the character and the nature of God. And so this is what uh, Paul is telling us again today or this morning. He's saying this, I am personally acquainted with the one I believe. Now, all throughout the, the, the Bible, Old and New Testament, you see men and women of God. Why could they do some of the things that they did? But, you know, the Bible says in Daniel 11, verse 32, it says, The people that know their God, they'll be strong and they'll carry out exploits. The common denominator that you see between the Old New Testament saints, even those that have lived recent years, and even to this day, people that have done powerful things for God have all this in common is that they know Him. They don't just know about him. They don't just believe in some God out there. I am personally acquainted with the one that I believe in. You know, a prime example of this is uh, Moses and Psalm 103 verse 7. It says, God revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the children of Israel. What's the difference here? Moses knew the character of God. He understood the heart of God. He understood the why to what God does. 
Israel saw his acts. Israel saw his deeds and went, I believe, yeah, I believe in God. And what they did, they kind of stopped there and they saw all the amazing things that he could do. Moses, not only did he see what God was capable of doing, but Moses knew why God did what he did because he knew his heart. There's such a difference, and I believe this time that we are in, the time that we continue to push into 2021, it's not okay, it's not enough just to know about God. It requires you and I knowing the character of God, understanding the very nature of God, because knowing those things is what's going to sustain us. Knowing the character of God is what's going to enable us to live and thrive in the coming years as it gets darker in the world, as it gets more chaotic in the world. How can you and I live a balanced strong life it's by knowing the nature and the character of God that even Jesus said in these words have faith in God yeah but what if all this crazy what if all this gets crazier and crazier it will but he says have faith in God by my faith in God man I don't have to worry about all the craziness going out there because my God doesn't change his character is able to sustain me through the tough times that are yet to come in this earth now that's again, that's one, one area, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, I am personally acquainted with the one that I believe in. Man, and that's the cry of my heart. That's the desire of my heart. I don't want to just believe in Jesus. I want to be personally acquainted with the one in whom I believe. I hope you can see there's a bit of a difference in there. And then the second side of it, another area that I want to show you. Again, now Paul is in, in prison in Rome in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Turn there with me real quickly. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read through 5 and uh, verse 10. But Paul at this time, he's in the prison in Rome, and he wrote to the Philippian church, and he's, of course, sharing a lot of, I mean, powerful truths that we in there. You know, the, a lot of theologians will call this the book of joy. Paul talked about joy 16 times. How can he do that when you're in prison? And again, the prisons that he had back in the day, they didn't have flat screen TVs. There wasn't a, like a nice gym where you could go work and get ripped. Man, what, was kind of, what was a prison back in those days? And, you know, Jamie and I, when we were in Europe, uh, we were in 2012 and we were in Rome. And we had the opportunity to go to, uh, it's called the Mamertine Prison, right in Rome. And you see where Paul actually was, where he wrote the book of Philippians. And at that time, that's where the sewage of the whole city of Rome would come through. And so Paul is literally sitting in, you know, nasty stuff. And here he is, chained up above, arms above his head. And he was, it's pitch black. And he'd be in there and it's, it's horrible. And all of a sudden, this letter from the Philippians, this gift, this offering comes from the Philippian church. And he's able to write them back. And so this is where we have the book of Philippians. And now I want you to, again, to really, I want you to show the emphasis that Paul has in his life and in his ministry that he continued to preach and teach to the church. Right? I want you to see this. We saw this in 2 Timothy. Hey, what is Paul emphasizing? I know the one in whom I believe. This is the focal point. This is how what makes me tick. This is how I keep going. This is how I keep pursuing and going strong. It's I know the one in whom I believe. Now, talking to this Philippian church, verses 5 through 6, again, he kind of lays out all of the, uh, the um, natural accomplishments. He starts saying, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, I was a citizen of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew if there ever was a Hebrew. He said, I was a member of the Pharisees, strict to the law. He said, I was so zealous that I persecuted the church of God. He said, I obeyed the law without fault. 
Now, what is he all describing here? He's listing off a bunch of natural things that he was doing, natural things that maybe he had had done to him or natural things of just studying. And I was zealous as a Pharisee. I studied the law. I did all these things. But now verse seven, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, right here, Paul reveals here that he no longer has faith in himself or his accomplishment, or his knowledge, right? It's not faith, you know, this is those that overcome the world, people that have a good education, or have done good things in their life. He says, no, 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 I'm getting rid of all that. All that stuff is great, but it's dumb in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And in verse 10, I want to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. He says this, for my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. What is Paul emphasizing? In prison, what is he continuing to emphasize? What is he telling the church? What is he focusing? What is he trying to get their attention on? That I may know him. Why is this so important? Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want to just know about him. I need to know him intimately. This needs to be the biggest focus. This needs to be the biggest attention that we give in our lives is knowing him. There is nothing of more, more value than you and I knowing the one in whom we have believed. That we become personally acquainted with the one in whom we have believed. Maybe you know him to a certain degree, but there is so much more yet that you and I can tap into. Because listen, as the days get darker and darker, you and I, what's going to make us brighter and brighter? It's walking closely and in fellowship and in intimacy with the one that we believe in this is where our faith is our faith isn't just in you know some kind of random god out there and hoping everything pans out no my faith is it's active my faith is focused and it's directed towards an individual and his name is jesus jesus the man i trust him with everything that i got this is who i am this is this what makes me me now again what sustained paul as he went through life his relationship with Jesus, which deepened his faith. What's going to sustain you and I? Um, when all of everything in the natural is gone or it's shaken, and that's what we've been seeing, this whole world is getting shaken. But what's going to sustain us when everything that we know, everything that we're, that we're used to in this natural world is shaken or even gone? My faith in God or my confidence in his character. Right? And that comes through my relationship. Now, the Apostle Paul, he prayed this prayer, and I want to encourage you, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 20. This is the prayer that the Holy Spirit prayed, or, you know, through the Apostle Paul, and it says in verse 17 in the Passion Bible, he says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. What's he praying? 
He's praying that you would know him. Verse 18, he says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. This is what this is our prayer. This is the desire of every believer's heart is what? That I would know him. I don't want to just know about him. Listen, Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I just to get secondhand information. His design, his part and purpose for you and I was that we would know him intimately for ourselves. So before we get into this faith, before we start talking about what faith is, we need to realize that our faith is in someone. And not just faith in someone, it's understanding his character. It's knowing who he is. That's how my faith builds. That's how my faith grows. And I want to just go over this one aspect of it. Just a, a, um, a part of the characteristic of God is just this. God cannot lie. He doesn't know how to lie. God isn't a liar. He's never told one lie. Now I'm going to show you a couple of verses here. But Numbers chapter 23, 19. This verse right here, Numbers 23, 19. Your and my existence depends that this verse be true. <laughs> And it says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? To act? No. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Again, the answer is no. Our existence depends on you and on this, this verse right here, that God does not lie. That he does not change his mind. He's not a man, so he does not lie. This isn't just a nice thought to have about God. This is who he is. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, I want to show you this verse as well. Verse 18 in the Passion Bible, it says, It is impossible for God to lie. It is what? Impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for him. That means it can't be done. There is something that Almighty God cannot do. He doesn't know how to do it. What is it? He doesn't know how to lie. And continuing on, it says, for we know, for we know, say it with me, for we know. This isn't just head knowledge. He's like, I know this on the inside of me with every fiber of my being. For this, I know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. His vow and his promises, they never, ever, ever, ever change. This is the character of God. So you're in my faith rests on the reality that God has never told me and will never tell me a single lie. So who benefits from this characteristic of God that he does not lie? Everyone. And specifically, if you go through, I want you to read through Hebrews chapter 11 this afternoon. 
Go through it and I want you to see all the things, these men and women of faith, these heroes of faith. And it says constantly like, you know, uh, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, Moses, by faith, Joshua, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You read all these men and women that did amazing things. But what is it all of this is that they understood, they knew God and they totally relied on this fact, this characteristic of God, that he does not lie and he will not lie. Now, just in particular, I want you to think about, just for example, Noah. And in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it just says it like this. Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, but Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. God told Noah to do something that had never, ever been done before. Not only ever been done before, never seen before. He told Noah, and you can read it through Genesis' account, uh, that hey, he's basically God told Noah, he said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the whole earth, and I'm going to do it by flood. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And at that time, on earth, it had never rained before. People didn't even know what rain was. A flood? What, what is that? Right? And all of a sudden, like it's going to rain from the sky. That's never happened before. Noah, it says this, he believed God and he obeyed and did everything God asked him to. Now, how can somebody do that? They've never seen anything before, never experienced anything like that before, never even heard of any of these things before. Yet what caused Noah to step out and say, God, okay, I'll go do that. And as you can see, some, you know, some scholars actually believe that Noah... He did it for about 90 to 120 years where he dedicated his life to building this ark, collecting all of the animals. Like, think about all this. He's never built a boat. He's never even heard of what a boat is before. And God tells him how to build a boat. Then he says, you're also going to fill it with animals, two by two, a male and a female one. They're going to come to you and you're going to feed them while they're on this boat because I'm going to destroy this whole earth. Whoa. Whoa. How does someone now dedicate their life, maybe stop what they were doing at this time, and now all of a sudden go and now give your life to building a boat so that you and your family can be saved? And again, as I said, some believe that he did it for 90 to 120 years. That's amazing. That's something. But what caused him to step out and say, okay, God, I'll sure do that. You, you bet. Let's get out of this thing. He must have believed God. And what does I say? Have faith in God. He had faith in the characteristic and the nature of God in God does not lie. And how do we know this? Well, in Genesis 6, 9, it says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And it says this, and he walked in close fellowship with God. What sustained him? What made Noah overcome this evil world? What made him victorious over this world? His faith in God, his absolute confidence in the nature and the character of God, that God will not and cannot lie. So what happened? Noah started getting busy. He started getting the wood. He started getting all the materials that he needed, and he started building. What On what? On the fact that God cannot lie. How are you and I going to advance as we continue to go into this year, 2021, with a lot of things that are up in the air in the natural realm? 
You and I have to be determined and go to the word of God and say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to know the one in whom I believed. I love the words of Paul, how he said that there. But this is our call. This is what you and I do. It's so important that we don't just know about God, but we know who he is intimately because this is what's going to put us over. This is what's going to make us thrive. This is what's going to cause us people looking at you and I going, how are they doing what they're doing? We know the one in whom we believed. This is what we are. This is who we are. And again, this is all I wanted to share with you today. And as you go forward in this week, as you advance this week, always remember this, that God loves you. He's for you. And as you take the time, listen, he wants to reveal himself more than you want to get to know him. So just give him opportunity. Give him some time that he's able to share and reveal himself to you. Let that be the desire of your heart that God, my heart is to know you. I want to know about you, not just, sorry, not just about you. I want to know you intimately. And press in and believe that anytime you go to the Word, He's going to reveal Himself. And we know that God's got good things in store for His church as we go forward. We love you and we're so grateful that you could tune in with us today. Have a good rest of your day and we will see you soon.